Throughout the sales process, you should be involving the right people at the right time. And also there should be some form of documentation. Also, when you close a deal, you are the orchestrator. You are the one responsible to have a seamless handoff. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Raina, welcome to the show. Hi, Chan. How are you? Great. We talked offline and you're right now in Texas, right? So for anybody who wants to visit Texas, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's very hot right now. So my advice is don't come right now. It's 109 degrees Fahrenheit. So really, really hot. But overall, Texas is amazing. I live in Austin, Texas, which is the musical capital, we call it, of the world. Amazing food, beautiful city, uh, lots of entrepreneurship and lots of great people living in our beautiful city, Austin, Texas. And speaking of entrepreneurship, uh, one of the key skills in entrepreneurship is sales, which is why I brought you on my podcast. You have a wealth of knowledge in sales. You are currently on the podcast book tour, so to speak, promoting your book, Sales Essentials, which we'll dive into through our conversation. And you can do a bit of promotion at the end. But before we go into that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your experience and why people should listen to your expertise? Yeah, so I have been doing sales and sales consulting and marketing for the last 20 years. I work with hyper growth and large organizations to help improve their team's sales performance. And so to elevate that through strategy and then executing on that strategy through the training, through the process, through the content. And I guess what makes me a little different is that I am a seller at heart. I've been selling for close to 20 years now. And so everything I talk about, and you guys will see it in the book, I tell stories and experiences based on real life. And then I bring in my geeky, nerdy academic journey and create programs to help influence behavior. Great. And although you are a sales professional by trade, a lot of the sales fundamentals and skills can be leveraged in the job search process. So why do you believe the job process is similar to the sales process? And how can job seekers who are currently struggling right now in the job search use that to their advantage? Yeah, so Chen, everyone is a salesperson, no matter what your title is, whether you are a professional seller or whether you're trying to sell your idea to your boss or whether you're trying to land a job and sell your value to the hiring manager, you're selling because at, at the foundational element of sales is influencing behavior and getting that person to say yes to something that you are providing. And in the sales process, if you think about what the sales process is, uh, it's really a step-by-step -step, uh, we take in order to move the deal from the early stages to the actual closed win. It increases the chances. The more we're disciplined about, have discipline about our sales process, the higher the chances we're going to close these deals. So typically, a sales process, again, there's some different wording that people use, but typically when we go through a sales process, there is the planning stage, right? I'm doing my homework. I'm researching. I'm trying to identify the, the companies that I want to target, the buyers that I want to target. And then I go into prospecting. And prospecting is where I want to reach out to you, Chan, to land a sales meeting. So I have to capture your attention. And to capture your attention, I have to have a prospecting strategy. I have to customize it. I have to use multiple channels. I have to have follow-up strategy. And then once I land that sales meeting, then we go into discovery. And discovery, I can have multiple discovery meetings. And in these discovery meetings, 
It's about qualifying in or qualifying out. Am I a good fit for you to help you in achieving your objectives and driving your initiatives or addressing your challenges? So now let's look at it from a job seeker's perspective. So when you're looking for a job, the first thing you do is you're planning, you're researching, you're trying to identify the companies that you want to work for. Do they have job openings? Do I know someone there? What are they doing? And then I have to reach out. And by reaching out, it could be that there is a job opening. So now I'm customizing that job application. I'm customizing my cover letter. I'm seeing who I'm connected to that knows someone about that company. And bam, I land that interview. That's the outcome of prospecting. And now the interview itself is that discovery meetings. And it happens where it's not just one interview. You go through several interviews. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to sell the value of them hiring you. And they're trying to see, does this person qualify? Can they deliver on the objectives, which is what the job requirement is? And also you're looking at also, am I a fit for them? Do I even want to work for them? So it's all about qualifying in and qualifying out. And through the process, you're also having your unique value proposition. You're telling them why me over others, right? Why me over the competition? What makes me unique? What makes me different? What's my unique value proposition? And how can I help you? And so you go through that. And then there's, of course, the negotiation. And then there's the close. Either you close when I got the job or you close lost. I didn't get the job. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And before we dive into more of the technical aspects, which you've already previewed for my listeners, through your own personal experience, you talk about the heart of sales and how through your own personal experience, you discovered the timeless foundation of sales, right? Of the selling of different products and services, not more so than the, although the technical stuff, like you said, lead pipeline and sales ratio is important. There's the soft skills and the foundation of sales that's important. Can you walk us through more about that? Absolutely. Look, you and I know we're in this business. We love to close deals, meeting quotas and crushing our quota is our ultimate goals and metrics do matter, right? I need to know my conversion rate. I need to know the opportunity, the sales cycle length. I need to reduce it. I want to reduce my ramp up time. All of these are critical. But if we ignore, Chan, the essential of the human connection, we're going to lose a deal, especially if you're selling in a B2B enterprise deal where the quickest way to fail is to take the human element out of the sales equation. Because let me tell you, when you're selling large, complex deals in a business-to-business environment, you're selling to a human being. You're not selling to a company. And so how do you influence that behavior, right? It's about actively listening. It's about customizing the conversation, my value proposition, to show you how I can help you. It's about doing my homework and understanding your business and your business outcomes and sharing with you insights about how I've helped other customers similar to you. Look, when we take the human connection out, we lose that empathy, we lose that connection, and we ultimately lose a deal. And it becomes almost like a transaction. And if you're thinking strategically and you're trying to close deals strategically and form that long-term relationships, you have to personalize that communication. You have to sell value. You have to speak their language and you have to take an outside-in perspective. And to dive deeper into this, in your book, you highlight the characteristics of successful salespeople. So job seekers who are struggling right now, what are some positive characteristics that job seekers should leverage in order for them to accomplish more of their job search goals? Yeah, I look at salespeople and I work with, I've been fortunate in the last many years, decades to work with amazing salespeople, some top performers. And what I see is the common thread, several strengths. One is their ability to think outside the box. The second one is being proactive. And then another one is the ability to adapt 
quickly to change. And I think especially in today's environment, this dynamic, fast-paced world that we live in, change is a constant factor. And that really is where I want to unpack, Chan, a little bit about how that applies to job seekers. Look, just like a, a salesperson, if you're looking for a job, the questions that I ask for you is, are you adapting to new tools? Are you adapting to new platforms, to the communication channels? Also, are you being flexible and resilient? And what I mean by that is, are you looking at looking, finding a job, maybe in a different way? Maybe your skills apply in a different industry. Maybe your skills apply in a different role. Are you thinking outside the box and identifying different ways that you can apply what you've done in, a, in maybe a slightly different area? What about continuous learning? Top performing salespeople have a growth mindset. Uh, they're lifelong learners. They're continuously trying to figure out, Reina, what is the new thing that can differentiate us? And I would also look at job seekers and ask them, what are you doing to up-level your skill set? What kind of webinars or workshop sessions or skills are you gathering right now to help differentiate yourself? We know that AI is a big deal, right? How are you using that and unpacking more so that you can differentiate yourself. And then, of course, also part of sales is building a relationship, intentional relationship, building your network. What are you doing if you're looking for a job in terms of building that network, in terms of nurturing these relationships, in terms of asking for help, for referrals, and also helping your network as well. So those are some of the things that I would highly recommend that some of your job seekers that are listening to look through and evaluate if they're doing that. Speaking of like, Upskilling, as you mentioned earlier, what are some skills that salespeople that you work with uh, need in 2023? You've mentioned quickly about being able to leverage AI, but what are some like specific AI tools that people should leverage or any other skills in general? I think one of them is the growth mindset, right? We're getting in a place where we're being rejected a lot, right? So how can I use that to my advantage to learn and to get through some of these tough times and to have that positive attitude? Another thing is preparation, right? The key to winning is to be prepared, right? To understand that, hey, this play may come into my sales call. Am I prepared for it? Am I prepared to handling objections? Am I prepared to setting landmines? And also, it's about also these new tools that are out there. Now, I don't know specific tools that I can talk about with expertise from a tech stack perspective, but what I can tell you is just understanding how can I use tools to help me be efficient, but not lose my voice and my uniqueness. And that is what is really important that we need to make sure that we are still keeping that human element and that human connection and using tools and using automation to help us be efficient, but not lose uh, voice in the process. So the start of the sales process or the main objective of the sales process is selling your value. And in order to sell value, you need to know the fundamentals of the product. And I'm assuming as a job seeker, you are the product because, for example, if they're trying to fill a role as a sales manager, you are the product slash solution that would fit in what they were looking for in a sales manager. So with that being said, can you let us know how do we dive deeper into our unique value proposition and showcase the value that we can provide as the product and solution to what they're looking for. I just came back from training. One of the things that I tell reps constantly is improving your self-awareness. Now, if you think about what self-awareness is, it's made up of two areas. The first area is called internal self-awareness is how much do you know yourself? How much do you know about personality traits, your values, your strength, your weaknesses, your superpowers, your blind spot, what annoys you, what makes you want to, what you're passionate about? 
And then there's also external self-awareness. And external self-awareness is how well do you understand how others see you? And Chan, it's really important that you improve your self-awareness. And here is why. And this is how you get to know yourself better. Because when you improve your self-awareness, you're going to know about what is your strength, right? What am I really good at? What is my superpower? And how can I optimize that superpower and engage in that conversation and share stories that apply to my role that I'm applying to? But it's also about understanding what my weaknesses are. And there are some weakness that innately you cannot change into a strength. And so you need to be aware of those weaknesses, right? Like for me, if you give me a job that is repetitive day after day, that's a weakness of mine. That's not going to make me successful. And I'm aware of that. So when I look for a project or when I look for, if I'm looking for a job, I'm not going to look for a job that needs that requirement because that is not a strength of mine. Also, it's really important when you do self-awareness to understand what your blind spots are, because many times we think we're really not many times, but there are times when we think we're really great at something, but then others don't think we're great at. It. In fact, it's a weakness of ours. And we need to be aware of these blind spots. And if they are to become a liability in our career, in our job search, we need to work toward improving it. Now, if we look at the data around self-awareness, folks that have high self-awareness are happier, more confident, better decision-making skills. They're getting promoted more than others. And so there is a case for improving self-awareness. So then the question becomes, Raina, how do I improve self-awareness? Well, one, you can do a self-discovery, right? Look at what you've done in your last job, maybe. Identify certain situations where it didn't go as you want, and then certain situations where it went really well. And ask the question, what did I do there? Or what happened? What caused this reaction? Because the more you know about yourself, the more you are in a position to look for jobs that will fit your needs and also that you can confidently talk about how you can apply that strength. You can also ask trusted colleagues to help you in terms of understanding more, giving you this constructive feedback. And then also you can do a 360 assessment. If you're going through a career change right now, you can do a formal 360 assessment. And then there are great coaches out there that may be able to help you in terms of determining Okay, what is that development plan is? Self-awareness is not easy, but it is one area when you talk about how can I know more about myself to differentiate myself from others at a foundational level, it starts with that self-awareness. And once you've known your product, which is yourself, you've gotten that self-awareness. The next aspect is catering to your target audience, which is what companies that this job seeker is applying to. So how does one be crystal clear about their product slash solution with their intended audience that will resonate with them to ensure that they pick them as the hire that they're looking for? Great question. When you asked me that question, I was thinking about the sales process. And so how do I differentiate myself from others in the sales process? And how do I identify if I'm the right fit? Well, number one, you got to make sure that you're targeting the right, what we call in sales, ideal customer profile. Are you targeting the right companies if you are searching for jobs? Are you targeting the right departments, the right industry? So that is the first thing you got to do, because if you're not targeting the right buyer profile or buyer persona, we call it in sales, you're wasting your time because that means there's not a good fit up front. And we see that happening where sometimes we are just casting a wide net and going after everyone. And we do know that we cannot be everything for everyone. You got to be laser focused. And that's where tools like like LinkedIn Sales Navigator, you can leverage to be very crystal clear on the type of buyers and type of organizations that you want to target that aligns to your strength, that aligns that you have stories and social proofing and some evidence in projects that you've done that you can have a story around. 
also, once you have identified that, then the next thing, Chan, is taking time to do a little bit of research and homework to understand more about these companies, these buyers, these hiring managers, their world, their initiatives, their challenges, the strategic direction of the organization. And you take that and then you analyze the job description and you look at that job description and you say, hey, how can I add value? And I'm not looking at you need to qualify every little point. You need to have check mark next to it, right? But you need to look at it holistically and say, look, based on my experience, how can I add value? Knowing what I know about the company, knowing what I know about that hiring manager of that department, how can I bring value? And that's when you start then customizing your application, your cover letter. That's when you start looking for people that may know someone else in that organization. That's where you start using your network. But it really starts, the foundational element is, am I targeting the right companies? Do I know something about them? Did I do my homework so I can take an outside-in perspective and I can be a strategic partner rather than a commodity? And we talk about that in sales. We talk about you can't lead with your features and functions and your products. You have to start with the customer and show them how you can help them drive their initiatives, address their challenges. And our job as job seekers is to make our boss and their bosses successful. So how do we do that? You made a good point about... A lot of young or entry-level professionals, uh, sales professionals, they sell on the features. They don't really sell on the solution. So how do you help sales professionals switch that mindset? Because a new salesperson, if they're selling a SaaS product, they'll talk about all the features. Oh, there's uh, these like functionalities that help like, improve your business, but they're not really diving deep into how it can actually benefit them. So how do you work with your clients to focus more on solution selling, not feature selling? Great question. You know, it starts with the human. When you put the customer, use customer centricity, and when you put the customer at everything you do, the conversation actually gets even better. Because now all I'm doing is focusing on you, Chan. I look on LinkedIn and I see you posted something maybe about you're hiring new salespeople or you're growing in certain parts of the region around the world. Well, that tells me that, man, you may need onboarding from my solution. You may need some training that will help ramp them up quickly. So when I approach you in that conversation and I say, hey, Chan, I just read your LinkedIn post about how much growth you've had and that you've increased your sales force by 30% in the last X quarters. Hey, tell me about your ramp up program or your onboarding program, because if you're like and my customers X, Y and Z, you're probably facing some challenges related to ramp up time. Right. So now the conversation is about you. And now you're listening because, wow, Reina, you did your homework. You're not showing up and throwing up product. And now it's now I can open up. Hey, I'm going to tell you what's happening. I'm going to share information with you. And now I'm actively listening as a rep. I'm asking follow-up questions. And then we're having an equal dialogue, a conversation. And it takes training, discipline, role-play exercises, coaching, first-line sales managers, accountability. But the reps that do it, Chan, they're performing because they have that human connection. And they're also strategic because they're not just throwing products. They're actually solving a fundamental problem that the customer is trying to solve. You can evaluate uh, this situation. So I've booked demos for various SaaS products. And what happens is you have a sales rep, they're on the call, they do 
a type of webinar. They go through their whole like PowerPoint. It's all about these features. The benefits may be very like high level, but overall it's mainly the features. And it's very generic because I'm assuming like the deck that they show me, they probably show it to other people. They might just change like the beginning for the, the client name. What's your thoughts on like this type of like demo selling? Do you think it's effective or it goes back to like, you have to make it very personalized. So it's not just you taking this deck and then blasting it to like every sales meeting you're in. I totally agree with what you said. It has to be connected to the customer's problem. Now, the demo itself, an organization may not be able to scale by customizing the actual demo itself, but the rep can customize the talk track and the rep can only show certain areas of the demo that is relevant to the buyer, right? So if the buyer has told me this is their problem, the way I'm going to start the demo is by recapping the business problems, by recapping the challenges, by recapping their initiatives. And then I'm going to pause and ask you, Chan, did anything change? And you're going to say yes, no. And then we move on and I say, okay, based on what you told me, let me show you some of the things that we have done with customers that are similar to you. And let me walk you through that. And then I'm going to show you certain things. A demo should not be an hour long. A demo should focus on what is important to my customer and then let them lead how much details they want to start unpacking. And that's where active listening comes in. But also that's where sometimes you have an SE that is giving a demo and the rep's job as an orchestrator, my job and has always been in my sales process to ensure my SE is enabled on everything we talked about. And there's going to be a practice session with my SE to make sure that the handout seems seamless. Because let me tell you, customer experience is so important. And if the customer sees us as siloed and wondering, like, what is this person talking about? I just told the rep something totally different. That's going to set them off, right? That's going to show that the left hand is not talking to the right hand. And that's not a good impression. I used to work at a digital marketing agency and there was definitely miscommunication between the sales rep and the account manager. So the sales rep would sell like all these like benefits and what have you. And then the account manager basically has to try to manage expectations. And then the client gets mad and say, well, that's not what the sales rep told me. The sales rep told you you were going to do this. So what are some best practices to ensure that there's alignment between the sales person selling the product and ensuring that the account manager, the account team are able to onboard properly and expectations are met? Number one, you know, throughout the sales process, you should be involving the right people at the right time. And also there should be some form of documentation, right? And also when you close a deal, you are the orchestrator. You are the one responsible to have a seamless handoff. So how are you internally bringing everyone together and making sure that you have the documentation to ensure this is what we sold them, this is our measuring success, this is their expectations, and this is what, you know, what internally we agreed upon. There should be no surprises. It's very unfair for us to set up our, our team when we hand off for surprises, because guess what? That's when it's going to also impact expansion. And the most revenue is made in expanding those deals, right? I land small and then I'm going to expand. But to expand, not I have to deliver on my promise and I have to always continuously add value. And the salesperson also need to be very clear on their role also after the deal is closed. Like, what is my role after the deal is closed? How do I work with the CSM? How do I work with the renewal team? All of that needs to be talked about and that engagement not model should be clear so that everyone is clear so the customer is not getting 50 million people trying to talk to them. And speaking of the customer, 
going back to the job process, yeah. <laughs> uh, customer is the company, right? So when you're interviewing for jobs, you're not the only person they're interviewing. They usually shortlist, let's say, four to five candidates. So going back to what we discussed about key differentiators and how they're so essential, how do you identify and know what to sell in terms of the key differentiators yeah. to ensure that you are top compared to other candidates? Because you don't know what the other candidates are saying, similar to the sales process. You might have a SaaS solution and they might be already talking to four other SaaS companies with the same type of problem that they're looking to solve. So how do you know what to differentiate in order to come out on top? Yeah. So number one, first understand what the job description is. Like, what are they looking for? And make sure that you can demonstrate how you can deliver on some of these requirements. Also research the hiring manager. Look, LinkedIn and other tools have been so effective in us understanding more about the human and what's important to them. Sometimes looking at that summary or their experience section, what they're doing in the company, you can identify certain triggers, certain initiatives that are important to them. And by just also mentioning them as part of the interview process, right then you're differentiating yourself because you're also showing them that I have done my homework and I understand some of the things that you're working on and here is how I can help. And then you bring in the stories of how you can add value. Of course, you got to validate, never assume. You got to validate that your understanding is correct. You also want to look at the company. I mean, if you're going after a public company, have you looked at their earnings call transcript? Have you looked at some triggers? Maybe that hiring manager, their area is being discussed, right? And if they are going through transformation, digital transformation, or if they're going through growth or whatever, Wow, if you understand that and you're going into that meeting and you mention that and you say, you know what, I just read the most recent earnings call transcript where your CEO mentioned that your area is going through some form of transformation. Tell me more about it. And then they talk and then you say, and, and you know, in my, the job description, I noticed that you're looking for X, Y, and Z. And Chan, this is exactly where I can help. Let me share with you what I've done in my career, in my last role to help in driving those initiatives, right? So that's going to help you identify your unique value proposition. And you also need to connect the dots, right? So you're seeing all of these different information. You're looking at the job description. You're seeing some of that research. You're seeing some of their posts. How do I connect the dots? And also, how do I use my network? Right. So the first thing in sales we do is like we look at our first connection, second LinkedIn connections. And if we know these folks, we reach out to them and we say, hey, I am trying to get in front of X, Y and Z. Or if I have a meeting, a sales call with this person, I notice you're connected to them. In fact, I noticed that you also commented on a lot of their posts. Can you tell me more about them, especially if you trust that person? Can you put a good word for me about it, right? That's social proofing. That's credibility. That is also a way to differentiate yourself. And then last but not least, Practice. In sales, all of us hate role play, right? Role play exercise, if you've been through them, it's painful, right? But it is the way that you can actually deliver when you're in front of your customer. So those mock interviews, those role play exercises, put yourself in the toughest situation because that's when they come in real life. You've already practiced them. You went through that play. Speaking of social proof, recruiters and hiring managers are looking up candidates more and more now, right? A lot of them look at it before they even call you up, as in like they'll see your resume, but before they reach out, they say, oh, let me check this person, make sure that there's nothing, any red flags. So I know in sales, you also have to build like a good online presence as well as having a good social selling strategy to combine it with a good online presence. So can you walk us through like how to perform a proper online audit and how you can also use 
sales principles in terms of social selling strategy to get more opportunities for your career? Absolutely. I think just like in sales, before they even call you, they're Googling you, they're checking your LinkedIn profile to determine if you are worthy of their time. Like Time is finite. Time is very valuable to these stakeholders, be it a buyer or someone or a hiring manager. So you want to put yourself in these job seekers' uh, shoes and you want to conduct an audit about yourself. And then in its simplest form, right, what you want to do is just Google yourself in incognito mode and see what those customers or your job seekers are seeing. And then ask yourself, be very honest with yourself, is what is showing up in the digital world, does it align with my professional strengths and my capability? Is it going to help me get to that interview or is it going to put me at risk of not getting that interview. Then if you see something, right, if you see something that you really don't want your customers or your future employer to see, either remove it or publish new content that will push that content to the second or third page, because we know typically human being, most of us just look at that first page. Now, in addition to that, you want to look at your LinkedIn profile, especially if you're new to the job market, if you just completed college, or if you haven't really updated your LinkedIn profile lately, you want to look at it from your hiring manager's perspective. In sales, we talk about social selling. You want to optimize it for social selling. In other words, you want to make it client facing. You want to be relevant to whoever your audience is. How are you relevant to them? Because at the end of the day, you want to capture their attention. You want to pull them in. You want them to look Look at your profile, at your summary, at your experience and say, oh, wow, this person can help me. They relate to me. And that's what you want. You want them to just not go to the next one, but really pause a little bit and be like, okay, yeah, I, I think I want to have a conversation with Raina. I'm, she piqued my interest. And so optimizing your LinkedIn profile for your audience. And also, how are you posting relevant content, right? If you want a position in VP of enablement or whatever position you're looking for, how are you posting content and engaging with the right people, engaging with the right group to position yourself and not necessarily a thought leader, but someone that can add value in this space, in these jobs that you're looking for? And also your network, right? How are you connecting with the right people on LinkedIn? How are you nurturing these relationships? How are you using who you know? to help you in terms of getting in front of the right people? And also, what kind of groups are you following or are you part of offline and online? And how are you showing up on other people's posts, right? Like if you know that you are going after a company, are you following that company? Are you starting to show up on some of the hiring manager's posts with something that is relevant, that positions you as a credible source you can get noticed? Speaking of connecting, that is a good segue to the next question about prospecting. Uh, yeah. So sales professionals, they have to be diligent about prospecting because if you stop prospecting, your pipeline is going to get empty. In the job search terminology, prospecting is more networking. So prospecting, as you said, is about landing a meeting with a prospective buyer. Networking is either getting an informational interview to learn more about the company and potentially get a proper interview. Or if you are able to networking, get a proper interview right out of the gate. So... Without that being discussed, can you tell us what are some like principles of sales prospecting that professionals should leverage when it comes to networking in order to get more opportunities? So just let me clarify, and I think you mentioned it, prospecting in sales and in the job searching space is not only networking, right? Prospecting is about, like you mentioned, taking a proactive approach to building your pipeline. So at its fundamental levels, I want to land this sales meeting. That is the goal of my prospecting. 
In the job seeking world, it's about landing an interview with the hiring manager. And to do that, it requires us to have a strategy, a prospecting strategy, as well as tactics to execute on that strategy. And that where it includes your network as well. But it really starts with, when I talk about prospecting, the first thing I talk about is it starts with being clear about the type of companies you want to work for. And then you use the tools like LinkedIn Sales Navigator to identify these companies doing our homework and learning more about them. Also, Chen, I would add, one of the things that makes salespeople successful is being proactive. So I would tell you, salespeople are not going to sit in the background till there's an opportunity out there just looking at them. They're going to be proactive about it. And that's what I would tell job seekers to do as well. Just like top performer salespeople do, go on LinkedIn, identify the companies that you want to work for. If they don't have a job opening, then you also can take it a step further and look through LinkedIn, identify maybe someone that knows someone in that company or reach out to these people in that organization customize your outreach, like we talk about prospecting, use multiple channels, start showing up on their LinkedIn posts. And then once there is a reason when you start getting noticed, ask for a meeting. Now, they may not have a job right now, but guess what? If you start building and nurturing that relationship and you make that impression, you may be the first one top of mind when they do have a job opening. I've had several jobs, and you probably had that too, where there wasn't really a job opening. It was using my network. It was being proactive. It was doing the research and being bald and reaching out with a customized outreach and having a conversation. And let's say you've done all the work, you've done the auditing of your online presence, you've reached out to multiple contacts, and you finally, in the sales terminology, you got the discovery meeting in the job search space, it's the interview. So can you walk us through like how should someone prepare for a discovery meeting to ensure that they are well-equipped to be successful in this meeting? Absolutely. So if I look at discovery, and it is, you know, one of the hardest part of the sales process, you're trying to build that quick trust, you're trying to show your value, trying to qualify that opportunity. And it starts with doing our homework. Our customers expect us to do our homework. It's non-negotiable. And I'm going to say that our hiring manager also expect us to be doing our homework, to researching the company, to researching the person, to understanding a little bit about their world, their initiatives, to identify any common connections, to build that human connection and that rapport. So for example, Max, if I see something that you and I share as common experiences, That is something that I should be bringing up in my conversation because that helps me connect at a human level. And that is important if you're trying to build a relationship, if you're trying to build that connection. Also, it's about being familiar with that job description and making sure that I can connect the dots and I'm prepared to share insights, coming in with some insights that I can share of how I can add value, coming in prepared with some questions that I want to ask and actively listening. And when I ask that question, really actively listening and answering these questions and then asking relevant follow-up questions and also being able to practice. I mentioned the importance of practicing prior to the conversation and also also understanding the company culture and showing up, you know, showing up matters. It's about preparation. It's about our attire. It's about our attitude. It's about understanding what the agenda is. It's about being on time and early. 
All of these are ways that they're evaluating you if you're going to be a reliable and valid person. And they're hiring someone that they don't want to turn over, you know, in a few months. It costs a lot of money to hire folks. So every little details matter. And especially in today's world, those little things that I talk about in my book about first impressions, they do matter. And that leads to the heart of the book is the nine steps to leading a successful discovery meeting. Obviously, like, We'll have time to go through every one in a lot of detail, but what are some key insights from those nine steps to leading a successful discovery meeting that job seekers should leverage so they perform well in their interviews? Excellent question. So the nine steps, as you mentioned, are specifically focused on the discovery meeting, but absolutely we can adapt some of these key insights to an interview process. The first one is making introductions, right? Are you greeting the interviewer with a warm and confident handshake authentically? You're presenting yourself, your attitude, you have a positive attitude. You're introducing yourself clearly. Your voice is articulate. You're confident. You're excited to be there. And then it's about building rapport. We talk about it in our discovery meeting. How am I connecting at a human level? Is there something that we have shared experiences? Is there something that can connect us and make us relate? And then there's the agenda, right? Being very clear on what are the interview process or the structure and the timeline? What is the goal of this meeting? And then conducting that business level conversation in what we call in the discovery meeting. In an interview, it's about engaging in a meaningful dialogue. It's about showing them how I can help them. It's about actively listening to their question and answering these questions and then asking them relevant questions. It's about sharing insights that will help them see the value that I can add. And then it's also about one of the steps that I talk about is the importance of listening actively, paying close attention to what they're asking and really providing some thoughtful responses, maybe paraphrasing to show active listening, paraphrasing, summarizing, clarifying, and also being strategic about the use of visuals. We talk about it in Discovery that most of us are visual learners. So how are you using compelling visuals and not showing up and throwing up PowerPoints, but really being very intentional in what you're showing? So for example, your portfolio that you're showing, or maybe you have a few slides that can tell the story and that can have an impact and that can make you memorable. And then last but not least, there's also qualifying the opportunity, right? Am I qualifying the opportunity, meaning am I showing you that there is a value? Are we a good fit to help you in achieving your objective, to help you in achieving the job requirements? And then there's also, and not to forget, the confirming the next steps, really important, right? Like what are the next steps? What is the expectations? And also, this is where after that meeting is done, we talk about it in sales. What are we doing afterward? Because what happens afterward will help us keep the deal moving forward. So what are you doing after that interview? Are you sending a summary summarizing exactly what they told you, the questions that they asked you? Are you sending them what they asked you for? All of that, what you're showing them is you're showing them you're responsive, you're reliable, you're an active listener, and also that you are promptly taking action right after that meeting. Uh, and so Zotas denies steps. And while there isn't a one size fits all approach in the interview process, I hope I gave you a visual of how it applies in the interview process. And just to dive deeper into like the follow up after the interview, as you know, in sales, when it comes to like bigger solutions, there tends to be a longer sales cycle. Sometimes interview processes could take up to three or even four or five months. So how do you keep it going or keep yourself top of mind when they're still in the decision? Great question. So in sales, what you do is you leverage social selling a lot, right? So you're now connected, you connect with them on LinkedIn, 
you start showing up on their post, you send them maybe white papers or something that is relevant to them. And also every conversation you have, because in sales, as you mentioned, especially complex deals, there are six to eight decision makers. So you may be having several conversations, just like in an interview, several conversations with different stakeholders. Note that every time you meet with someone, you have to understand their role, their initiatives, and you have to show them how by having you, you're going to help them, their organization, achieve their objectives, right? So it's all about you're doing another discovery and you're adding value because guess what? All of them are going to come together and then they're going to decide, are you the right vendor? Are you the right person? And also stay on top of mind by leveraging social selling, as I mentioned, by leveraging handwritten notes. There are studies that show us they're powerful in connecting people and in building that relatability and that empathy. As you know, in sales, you do everything right and you will still get rejected for whatever reason. So how do you coach sales professionals on how to handle rejection? Oh, great question. So there is research that shows us Rejection, if I remember it right, the way the brain processes rejection is similar to physical pain. So when people say it hurts, it really hurts. And so what I advise folks to know is that, number one, be realistic that we're going to get rejected many, many, many times. The mathematics shows us that the more we prospect, the more we're going to be rejected. And that's awesome because that means that we're doing those activities, we're doing our jobs, and then we're going to get to that yes And so if you get rejected so many times, you have to have the mindset going into sales that, man, I'm going to get rejected a lot. You also have to allow yourself to grieve for a little bit, right? Like I allow myself anytime I lose a deal, I have one day where I'm going to feel sorry for myself. I may get be a little upset. I'm going to go do my run. The next day it's done. I'm now moving forward. I learned from it. Let's move forward. You got to have that flexibility and adaptability and that growth mindset. And then you also have to make sure that you are taking care of your mental health and whatever that means to you. To me, it's about running, right? I do physical exercise. I run half marathons. I'm a runner. That is my non-negotiable every day is to make sure that I'm taking care of of that part of Reina because that part of Reina is going to help my customers and it's going to help me deal with rejection. Also, eating right, also surrounding yourself in the right environment. All of that is going to help you that when there is rejection, that you can take care of uh, bounce back. Great, Reina. And to wrap up our conversation today, you've had a long tenured career in sales. What was one big challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? I think just like you mentioned, I'm a perfectionist. I don't like to lose. And I had to learn that rejection, not to take it personal and to actually look at it as a learning journey. And I think that has been a lesson that, you know, I had to learn early on because I worked hard to get my A's in in high school and in college. And I went through my PhD program and, and then you get into sales and you're getting rejected and you're getting in these calls and they're tough conversations and you're dealing with human complexity and behavior and attitudes. And so I had to learn that it's not about me. And then I had to learn also, just like we talked about, how do I deal with being rejected? And once I got through that, it still hurts, but it helped me in becoming successful by also learning about each of these losses and growing from it. Again, I appreciate the time, Raina. So how can people learn more about you? And can you tell us a little bit more about the book that you're currently promoting? Yeah, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. I love publishing content and paying it forward. 
you know, I've been in many of your listeners' shoes as a young seller or as someone that's trying to figure out what do I want to do with my career. And so connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me know that you listen to this podcast so I can make sure that we connect. And if I can be of any help, of course, I'm always willing to pay it forward as well. The book, you can find it on Amazon. It is a great read. And I want you folks, when you get it, look at it. What I'm hearing from salespeople is that the way they're using it is as a guide, right? And if you look at it and you read it, Max, and what you saw is it's divided into specific areas and the titles are of each chapters is aligned to something in the sales process. And so if you're going to a discovery meeting, right before you go to the discovery meeting, go to that chapter, scan through it, identify, remind yourself of these best practices, put it away in your laptop bag, and then come to it for the demo section. So that's how I want folks to start thinking of using it as a guide. That's it's not just read it one time and put it away. Again, fantastic. Like you already shared some great insights from the book. And I think people will learn more from diving deep and using it, as you said, as a reference, not just a one-time read. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.